Umpire fans and welcome to the Leading Edge, where we talk with umpires about umpiring and look to cover topics on both sides of the plate. Joining me in this episode is a man that's been to multiple national championships, is the vice president of the Baseball Manitoba Umpires Committee, and likes to eat peanut butter and ketchup sandwiches, Ashton Liskey. Topics we venture to cover are umpiring in Manitoba, umpiring the Baseball Canada Games in his hometown of Winnipeg, Manitoba, and the time he almost had a brawl at the Baseball Men's Senior National Championship. So sit back, relax, get ready. It's coming. Here, fishy, 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 fishy. Here, fishy, 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 fishy. Well, after a couple weeks hiatus to go up and get some fishing done here in northern Saskatchewan, we are back here on the leading edge where we talk with umpires about umpiring and look to cover topics on both sides of the plate. Like I said, I took a couple weeks off because last weekend we went up northern Saskatchewan to get some fishing done. Great news. I didn't catch a fish. It was a long weekend. Just seems to be my luck this year. We've taken a couple weekends where we've gone up and tried to put the line in the water and catch something. Can't catch a thing. Weird. Last year, I had no problem catching fish in the same spots some of the same locations, and this year, they're just not biting. So, just seems to be my COVID luck, I guess you could say. But on the bright side, we're back here with another episode of The Leading Edge. During the week off, I received a lot of messages from some of the people listening regularly. It says, where's the episode? I'm looking for this week's episode. You know what? I take that kind of flattering because it tells me that people are tuning in, and I do appreciate the compliments, and it's been giving me the motivation to get this episode out. So, I want to thank everybody for you know, giving me some time to go fish or not fish. But like I said, I'm happy to be back and I'm catching a few fans as we go, as you could say. So I'm happy with that. So before we get into this week's episode with Baseball Manitoba Vice President of Operations of the Umpire Association, Ashton Liskey, let's recap last episode with an umpire from Baseball Quebec who has been to over 15 national championships, Philippe Lamoureux. Please note that we did have some technical difficulties through that episode, so the voices might come in in two different pitches, but don't be shocked. But anyways, here's an outtake from that episode. My best asset was my voice. Uh, we had an amazing weekend and ended up working the uh, gold medal game. I'm working a TV game live on RDS, which is the Ooh, French DSN. Yes. And the game is called by two MLB analysts, uh, Mr. Denis Casavant and uh, Roger Brillat. I went out there and just... You know, every pitch was the pitch of the century. I couldn't miss one pitch. And we had a young pitcher from Ontario who came in and, uh, as a reliever by the name of uh, Carl Quantrill. Always keep on improving. Yeah, and that's probably the best thing out of baseball and meeting people and making friends. And Well, isn't that the truth, Philip? Making friends. One of the best things about umpiring baseball right across this beautiful country of ours here in Canada. I've met some fantastic people along the way and even people I haven't met such as Philip, and just through this production that I've reached out to Philip and he agreed to do it. So it's really amazing the connections that we have with people within the Baseball Canada Umpire Program and people that just love umpiring in general. Now, I know you've been waiting long enough and I plan to get to this episode here very quickly, but I just want to throw a little public service announcement out there. We've talked about mental health here on the leading edge on a couple of occasions, and I just want to throw out the seasons are changing. People are starting to go inside. You know, COVID's still out there. The whole world feels different than it did 
three, six, nine, ten months ago. So, this time of year, about 2-3% to of Canadians will experience seasonal affective disorder, otherwise known as SAD, within their lifetime. And another 15% will experience a milder form of SAD that leaves them slightly depressed. So remember, there's always people out there that are willing to talk and professionals that are willing to open up their arms and discuss some of the situations that might be revolving. If you have any concerns about your mental health, please do not hesitate to talk to anyone. And if you don't feel like you have anybody to talk to, please contact one of the numbers we've referenced on the show here, the Kids Help Phone. That number is 1-800-668-6868. 1-800-668-6868. They might call it the Kids Help Phone, but it is available for anyone. So please don't be ashamed to reach out if you have to, just to talk to a professional. That's what they're there for. Okay, you have been waiting long enough, so I've kept you in the dark, but let's get this thing going. So without further ado, I'm proud and honored to bring on the Vice President of Baseball Umpire Operations in Manitoba, a man that has been to over six Baseball Canada National Championships and has gotten to attend the Tournament 12 at Rogers Centre, and a guy that once auditioned for a role in the CBC hit show Heartland, Ashton Liskey. Ashton, welcome to The Leading Edge. Thanks thanks for having me. It's always an honor and a privilege to have umpires come on the show and share with us their stories. And having another guy out of Manitoba, let's see where this goes. The Bison Province. Trevor Drury says that you have the ability to know what a teeth brush is. Any truth to that? (laughs) I'm surprised Trevor Drury knows what a toothbrush is. Okay, okay, we're already gunslinging here early in this show, so let's just get to it. Ashton, one of the first things we like to do here is give the guests the opportunity to defend themselves as a player, so share with us some of your playing career history. Uh, so I started playing baseball when I was uh, 11, Mosquito Ball, as formerly known as. Just played double-A my whole life, all the way up to 18U, or the old midget age group. Nothing's too special, just normally, you know, baseball player, average at bat, Low average speed, low average arm leads me into umpiring. I was a catcher and because I took up most of the backstop. And then I moved to first base a little bit. And then they tried me at third base, third base, but they realized I couldn't throw from third to first. So back to first base, I went. Well, safe to say as an umpire, you don't need too much speed. You stand right there behind the catcher. And essentially, you don't need much of an arm because you just got to reach the pitcher. Now, do you limit yourself? Do you throw the ball back to the pitcher or give it to the catcher? Uh, I used to throw the ball back to the pitcher. I used to... Uh, you know, throw a heater once in a while back to him and then mix in the odd knuckleball. But a wise old man here in the province once told me not to do that. So I uh, I stopped doing that a little bit. There's wise men in the province of Manitoba? There's uh, there's three wise men. I think they were around when Jesus was uh, born. So uh, it was great. Now this is a non-denominational podcast, but I would be lying if I said that I didn't appreciate a good biblical reference here on The Leading Edge. So where did you grow up playing baseball? I grew up in Winnipeg. I love the city of Winnipeg. Um, you could drive from one end to the other end in 40 minutes, right through the heart of the city. Played in the south end of Winnipeg in uh, the Winnipeg South Baseball Association. Just community club baseball. That's all I did. Nothing special, but won one provincial ter- ter- uh, one provincial tournament when I was my first year playing baseball, 11U. And that was the highlight of my career, playing baseball. Ashton still living in his glory days. Playing 11U baseball in Winnipeg in his glory days. Yeah, love it. Okay, moving on. Why did you get into umpiring? Long story short, or short story long, which way you want to look at it. We prefer the long version. 
There you go. So I was uh, back catching one day and the home plate umpire who was, uh, I thought was having a bad day because every time I caught the ball, I thought it was a strike and he called it a ball. And every time I thought it was a ball, he called it a strike when I was batting. So either he didn't like me or, you know, he had enough of me. So I started challenging him that I could do a better job. And then he finally asked me to do a better job next year. So I signed up and lo and behold, he was actually my clinician that year. <laughs> and he ended up being my assigner that year. Put it this way, I, done a, I did a lot of 11UA games that year. So lesson well learned, but that was the start of my career. You still find that you're disagreeing with the catcher as much as you used to? No, not at all. I think the catchers realize that that I know what I'm doing back there now. <laughs> or at least I pretend to know what I'm doing back there. Yeah, you got to fake it till you make it as they say it, right? Yeah. What's up with you guys in Manitoba always challenging the umpires and then somehow getting stuck doing this job? I actually think it's a great way to recruit umpires, really. Yeah. I really do. I love it when coaches think or parents think they can do a better job when they're sitting on the bench or sitting behind the stands, just chirping away and whining, complaining about balls and strikes and safes and outs. And the old classic, if you think you do a better job, come out and do it. You know, some people take that up to heart and some people just wash it off or let it, let it slide under the bridge. Makes sense, Ashton. But now as a catcher, what was your top skill? Definitely framing baseballs. I was, I was a great framer. I love pulling strikes into the zone. And I love pulling strikes away from the zone, as some umpires would say. If you needed to do that much framing, did that mean you worked with a lot of bad pitchers? Yes, pretty much. <laughs> I didn't have very, many good pitchers back in my day. Okay, let's get to your umpiring career. You started umpiring at the age of 15. Do you remember working your first provincial championship? The first provincial championship I, I remember working, actually. I'm uh you know, 36, so I'm a little older, and I'm a goalie in hockey, so I don't really remember much because I won too many pucks to the head. But I was in Stowell, Manitoba, which is about 20 minutes north of the city of Winnipeg, and we were doing the Bantam or the 15U AAA Provincials. And at that provincial, or that year of Provincials, I was actually asked to do the 13U and committed to doing the 13U, and then actually turned that assignment down a week later to do the 15U because I thought I was better to do 15U. That was the biggest mistake I've done growing up. Well, one of the biggest mistakes I've done growing up in the umpiring world, turning back an assignment to do a better assignment after accepting an assignment. Don't lie, as a kid, you were looking for the bigger paycheck. No, I just... Wanted to do better ball, I guess. <laughs> All my friends were going to the 15 U's, and here I was at the 13 U's. And, and um, I'll cut you off here because I think the biggest mistake you made was probably showing up at that first umpire clinic, but that's beyond the point. <laughs> <laughs> could, could quite possibly be so, but my supervisor at that time was Scott Langell, who used to be in the Level 4 program, and now he's focusing on being Mr. Dad, which is perfectly fine he ripped me a new one so to speak he uh he tore me up and down and then you know i apologized to him and i called up the guy who i turned down 13 u dave whitehead and apologized to him and then i worked my butt off and actually i got the gold medal plate that year so they didn't hold it against me which loved them for that yeah that's uh that's my biggest biggest lesson learned for sure was when you accept an assignment you just be happy and you go and do it that's like accepting a spot here in the leading edge. When I ask you, I expect you to show up. Exactly. Even if it's two weeks later. Okay, let's talk Manitoba for a second. What are some of the fun aspects about working baseball in Manitoba? Um, it's definitely the, uh, the group of guys we got. The group, the group of umpires we have here is very tight. Pretty much everybody knows everybody, um, especially at the, uh, the AAA level. And even at the high performance, the AA level. Everybody knows everybody. Everybody has a story about everybody. It's... <laughs> It's really good. Like you could throw out a name at me and I could tell you a story or a little blurb about him in a heartbeat. Little post-show edit. He was expecting me to bite and say some names, but I didn't. 
Now back to the show. And just, you know, hanging out with the boys and hanging out with the fellow umpires is just one of the biggest things. Provincial baseball, I love so much just for that. And there's a whole tournament aspect is just every game means something and every play means something. Every grandma and grandpa comes out. Every aunt and uncle comes out. The atmosphere is great. Now we talk regularly on the show here about baseball communities and you mentioned Stonewall, Manitoba. And would you what would you say about Manitoba in general when it comes to baseball? Is there a big baseball community within the province? I think rurally, Baseball Manitoba's got some great baseball towns. Morden and Winkler, Carmen, Altona, Hamiota, Rivers, Oak River, all throughout the province. Uh, Steinbach, great little town, the brokery. (laughs) Unfortunately, Nipahs, I guess, on that list may be down down that list for some people, but um, (laughs) but unfortunately, you know, Winnipeg really—they kind of lose that small town, small you know feel of baseball. You know, it's just so so populated, so high, and people are just all over the place, and they're just they just think it's another chore to go do something. I just wish that you know baseball Winnipeg would pick up a little bit as it in and have their family attend and all that so because how many people live in winnipeg but like, rurally 50? it's it's great 600 700,000 i have no clue it's bigger than regina and it's bigger than saskatoon <laughs> oh wow that's i guess that's why you have an nhl team not going to hold that against yeah you. we have an nhl team but i don't know if you have nhl players oh well we're not going to get into that though but <laughs> due to copyright infringement we're not allowed to talk about the nhl here but yeah let's get back to rural baseball I think oftentimes in Canada here, we get overlooked as a hockey-centric nation. But in reality, small-town baseball and communities within the country are really what makes umpiring in the community so pristine because a lot of people care and they love the idea of competition and competing against other small towns to really prove themselves at who's better at baseball. There are a lot of people in a lot of small towns that really work hard to make sure that baseball is flourishing and really putting the best product that they can on the field because of the pride they have of the game. Oh, for sure. Like I went through, I went through a lot of small towns this year in, uh, in the Manitoba junior baseball league. Like I went to Morden, I went to Altona, uh, went up to Steinbach for a game, just all the fans that come out, like Morden had, you know, a hundred fans on a, on a Wednesday, after, on a Wednesday night, you know, Altona had 120 fans all socially distant for the, the championship series that they were in. It doesn't sound like much, but when you're a Winnipeg guy going out there, you're like, wow, there's actually a good crowd out here. So it actually gets you jacked up for the game and it, wants you to be the best too because you have all these eyes on you often say that people make a big deal when there's a supervisor in the stands per se but in my opinion every time you're on the field doesn't matter if there's one fan there or 100 fans there you're being supervised by everybody including the players but we do know that the best spot to call balls and strikes is from the first base dugout yeah, actually, it's, it's the third base here is the home side for most of our games. So, so the, third <laughs> the home base team is always right. <laughs> First rule out of any game in Manitoba is get better. Yeah, get better. That's always my favorite comment, get better. Well, I don't know how much better I'm going to get, let's be honest. So do you have any funny stories or some fun stories you want to share about umpiring in Manitoba on field? Way back in uh, 2012, actually, I did a Western Canada baseball championship, uh, AAA, at Charleswood Park, which is just down the road from my house. It was a gold medal game. I was honored enough to work the gold medal game with uh, a couple other young umpires. We were all coming up at the same time. Um, Eric Ledoux and Ryan Bannerman uh, were on the bases for me. It was a gold medal game between the team from BC and a team from Saskatchewan. 
you know obviously where this is going. Manitoba boys didn't do well and didn't make it to the final, which you know it happens. So we uh, it was a th- I think it was a three one game or a three two game in the top of the seven, and BC needs to score to tie it up. So it was a, it was a one run game definitely then. By math, that's what it was. Math was never my strong suit. Did grade 11 math in time. So don't worry, I got enough <laughs> grade what, 11 math for the both of us. That's why they give us a clicker for the count. Oh, no, no, um, no. Indicator. <laughs> we, we just talked about Rob. this on Shout Rob, Rob. Allen's show. <laughs> um, so uh, it, was a, it was a one ball, two strike count on the BC batter. And it was a curveball. Every time the Saskatchewan pitcher got to two strikes, he threw a curveball. The fifteen or the fourteen U, I guess it was fifteen U at that time. The fifteen U age group, you're happy to throw a curveball, so you throw in the curveball, yeah. and the ball's you know inside. It's definitely not a strike, but the guy leans right into it. So I call time. He's so happy. He's going down to first base. I yell at him, "You get back here!" Before I could finish, "You get back here." The BC coach is already at home plate waiting to talk to me, and he's like, "You're so vindictive, and you're." You're out to get us. You're out to screw us. Blah, blah, blah. Why, why, why? And I was like, thinking, what the heck does vindictive mean? I'm like, <laughs> my English like, language no, proficiency is <laughs> not very good either, not alone my math. <laughs> yeah. Like, I didn't do well in English, but I calmed him down. I said, if you want the alternative, I can call him out. <laughs> and so he, he muttered back to the dugout and, you know, whatever. And so the next pitch comes in. The batter's, well, first of all, the batter's unhappy, so he digs back in, takes his time, digs back in. I give it to him. Next pitch comes in, fastball right down the chute. Or in Manitoba, we like to call it fastball right down Portage and Maine. Um, <laughs> the guy sticks his knee into it. So he steps almost, he steps onto the plate. So, boom, time. That's interference. You're out. Well, the bench erupts. Oh, of course. Everybody from the bench is out on the field. The manager is once again yelling at me, vindictive, and I still haven't figured out what it means. I even <laughs> asked the catcher, and the catcher's like, I don't know. So he's, he's nonstop on me, so I had tossed him. I'm like, okay, you got to go. And the fans are all yelling at me at this point, and there's actually a video about it. I don't know what I've done with it, but there's a video of this play. And so my base umpires come – well, the third base umpire comes running down to help because that's where BC was coming from, the third base dugout. And they come out. He's helping control them. And my first base umpire is sauntering down the baseline. And I was like, all right, well, okay, cool. <laughs> so I deal with the coach. He gets he gets tossed. And then all he hears is like a seagull flock, like, ha! And then I was like, what the heck was that? Meanwhile, it's my third base umpire tossing another kid. <laughs> I was like, well, who'd you toss? And he's like, well, that kid. And I was like, what's his number? He's like, I don't know. It's <laughs> like, we got to figure this out. We ended up tossing the coach and the kid, and then then BC goes, you know, two more outs, and they were done. And the game was over, and Saskatchewan won. We had to get escorted off the field with our supervisor and the tournament staff to our trailer to change, and the BC parents were waiting outside. So we actually stood in this trailer for about 35, 40 minutes after we were changed, just waiting for them to leave. And I was <laughs> like, guys, it's just a game. Sounds like Rob Allen's Italian fan club. That's the call I believe to this day got me to my national status. It's got me to my level four or past my level four on field. The next year I went to, I went to Vaughn for uh, nationals and who's representing BC. Oh, of course. The same coaches and half of the team. And when we did our pre thing our pre tournament meal and get together, they saw me and they like literally the mouth, the words, Oh, 
(laughs) (laughs) And so it was, it was almost like the greatest thing ever. There's like, there's some history behind that. They, you know, they wrote some stuff online and they actually got, you know, fined and suspended from the WCBA. And I was like, what, like that stuff, I don't even care about that's, you know, Mm -hmm. other internal stuff, but but yeah, that was like my moment of like, okay, I, I can umpire at a national level because I can make that call. And that's one of the biggest things I think in Manitoba we have. We have some really good umpires. We have a lot of umpires who are afraid to make a call that impacts a game, even though it's the right call to make because they just kind of want to blend into the game. If anybody from Manitoba is listening, don't be afraid to make those calls. We actually blocked this show out in Manitoba. Nice. Re- regional blackouts this year. Perfect. Didn't have the funding. (laughs) But that's the difference too for umpires is that you don't want to insert yourself into a game, but when the opportunity or the moment arises, that's when you have to rise to the situation. Yeah, that's where you have to be sharp. You have to be mentally sharp the whole time because you never know when it's going to happen. It could happen in the first inning. It could happen in the the second inning. And it might not impact the game at that point. Like this one impacted in in the top of the seventh, the last inning, but... It's not like I was looking to go out to make the call, but when a team cheats, you can't let them cheat. Exactly. So. And you say that it impacted the game. In my opinion, it's the perception that this had an impact on the game. But you let that go in the first inning. They score one run, and the game's one nothing. Well, it's just as important and valuable on the first pitch as it is on the last pitch. There's no time limit here. Exactly. I totally agree with you on that one, Phil. About time somebody agreed with me. A boot, a boot time. That's the maritimer in you. A boot, <laughs> a boot time. It's usually me going. <laughs> so let's let's stay in Manitoba here for a bit. You already mentioned the Manitoba Junior Baseball League or the MJBL, I believe it's called. What are some of the yep. other leagues that you guys have as opportunities for umpires in Manitoba? So we have. Uh, let me just do a quick challenge here. Oh, we're going um, back to math. Two, Five. We have five uh, five different senior leagues in the province. We have the Winnipeg Senior Baseball League, which is all out of Winnipeg, with a, a team in Stonewall. We have the Border West League, which is one of the premier leagues in our province. And then the Southwest Baseball League, which is west of Brandon, south of Brandon, north of Brandon. Then we have a Brandon Senior Baseball League. And we also have the Santa Clara Baseball League, which is pretty much down Highway 1 and Highway 16, just west of Portage La Prairie. Um, so those are the those are the, the senior baseball leagues we have. We don't have a AAA league uh, per se in Manitoba. We used to have one called the BL, the Manitoba Senior Baseball League. And the winner of that league used to represent us at Nationals. Now we send an all-star team picked by the winning team of a tournament, their manager and their base team. We had then we have our AAA leagues. We have our 18U, 15U, and 13U AAA leagues. And then last year, I guess in 20, is that 2018? No, 2019, we had the Expedition League join in Brandon, which is a summer college league, uh, Woodbat League. Majority of the teams play out of northern the northern U.S., uh, Montana and North Dakota and Wyoming and Idaho and South Dakota. They played two years ago or two summers ago in Brandon. We use a lot of that, a lot of those games for benefit of our high performance guys. We all work three umpire, okay. a couple four umpire games. It's very comparable to the, the WCBL now, the Western Canada Baseball League, formerly known as the Wimble. Little, it's about a step down, maybe a step and a half down, but same kind of concept. You're talking high performance here in Manitoba, and maybe we'll talk about the Expedition League 
But let's go back to that senior baseball tournament. Is that tournament at the start of the season? Is it closer to the national championship? Do you guys use that as an opportunity to get some of your high performance guys out there to, you know, get evaluated, work on some of that stuff? Do you guys like you use any of that stuff for your benefit? Yeah. So the AAA tournament's an open tournament. Any team who wants to put a team in, okay. they can put a team in, and it's all three umpire. Uh, it's all assigned by the baseball Manitoba umpire committee with all national level guys. Usually it's a lot of the guys who are traveling that year coming up uh, where we could get guys out there mentoring uh, the Brian Hodgson's and the Ron Chuchuk's and myself out there mentoring and, you know, crisping them up a little bit too. So, but yeah, that's uh, last year or two years ago, it was a three team tournament and they just played a, a round Robin and then a two versus three game. And then a one versus the winner of the two, three game the to have the rights to go well, to the following year nationals. So go, you, you so, go at the next year. Is that what had happened? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So last year, Elmwood won that AAA tournament. So they would have traveled this year to Nova Scotia for the senior championships. Okay, Breton. Well, you say it's an all-star tournament kind of thing. Blaze LeVay, you still have a chance to get going. Yeah, there you go. Now, Ashton, you talked about the Expedition League. Other guys have come on the show. They've talked about the Western Canadian Baseball League. They've talked about the West Coast League that runs in northern United States, Northwest United States, and into British Columbia. And as of a couple weeks ago, since the last show, I see that they're going to expand into Edmonton. So that'll be a whole different scenario to discuss at a later date. What's some of the fun things that you've experienced working that league? The last game of the year of 2019 was getaway day. Both teams were out of the playoffs. And both teams met before the game out in the field. And they said they were going to, uh, they were going to swing at every first pitch. <laughs> so, and I was on the plate and I had no clue. Okay. So first pitch comes in and stuff. The guys, it's got the guy's neck and he swings. And I was like, and he hits it. And I was like, all right, cool. I like this. <laughs> and the next guy comes up. It's like, it's a strike. He swings and he hits it. Oh, we got two strikes, two outs. Next guy comes up, takes the pitch. Oh yeah. You, well, you can't be the, you can't be a three for three. You can't give that. No, his whole bench started booing at him. <laughs> <laughs> like the team, I think the team was from Spearfish, South Dakota, and they're named the Spearfish Sasquatch. I love and it. I love it. They had like a 10 hour drive home, and they're like, no, we just want to get out of this town <laughs> and let's go. <laughs> to say the least, it ended up being an hour 20 game with my third base umpire getting drilled with a foul ball. Oh, get out of the way. Yeah. Yeah, Pistol Pete got. I thought I thought I thought he got killed. Like he got hit. And like if you guys know Pete Perot from Russell, Manitoba, a hockey stick is thicker than this guy is. Like he must have went. To he Steve. got hit. He got hit hard. Hit hard. And I think he coughed out a lung. You know. <laughs> so, but he stayed in the game. He got through it. So good on him. This is one of those post show edits. You know what? If it wasn't for bad luck, some people wouldn't have any luck at all. And I think poor Pete Perot is one of those individuals that just somehow gets the rotten end of the stick every time. What I'm going to do in this show is I'm going to throw in the show description a link of Pete Perot trying to get out of a way of a catcher and somehow getting toppled. This is a game where Pete and I worked a couple years ago back in the Western Canadian Baseball League and something we joke about every time we see each other. So as I said, this is going to go in the show description link. So click it, like it, enjoy it. And Pete, let's chalk this up as a learning opportunity because my luck, it'll be me getting run over by the catcher next time. But anyways, now back to the show. 
Well, you can't growl, Ashton. An hour 20 for nine <laughs> innings of baseball. You definitely earned your paycheck that day. The best part also is the uh, the Wheat City Whiskey Jacks, the home team of Brandon. They had a promotion on the first baseline. They had the call. It was the party deck. And you paid, I can't even remember. You paid like 40 bucks. It's all you could drink and all you could eat fried food for six innings. <laughs> Bang, God. Well, these, the, the place was packed on getaway day on the last Sunday of the season. And here we fly through the game and at a buck 20. I think they had 45 minutes on the party deck. They were, <laughs> they were booing because yeah, yeah. They, they, they want to keep drinking. And... Yeah. People always assume those promotions are rigged. I think they are now. Yeah. <laughs> Only when I'm behind the plate. Fair enough. <laughs> Move away from the field for a little bit. You have a role within the Baseball Manitoba Umpire Program. Fill us in on what your work is off-field. A couple of years ago, we had a little power turnover in uh, Baseball Manitoba. And after a trip to tweet for T12 for myself, I felt like I personally was falling below the standard at Baseball Canada. So I put my name forward to run for the, the vacant position. Um I went unopposed. Um, so I end up, and now I'm now officially the provincial supervisor for baseball and Manitoba umpires. The official title is VP of umpire development. So I've done, this is my second season doing this. Uh, it's a lot of work leading up and it's a lot of work at the end. So it's pretty much a full-time, full-time gig. Um, but there's nothing I wouldn't do, you know, otherwise with my time. So I find my time gets used pretty efficiently. Um, a lot of my emails get sent out late at night <laughs> and I answer throughout the day. Now let's stop right here real quick, Ashton. A lot of your emails get sent out late at night because I'm going to make the assumption it's a volunteer position. It's not what you do full-time is your full-time job. Something that you're adding to your plate just to make the umpire experience better in Manitoba? Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, it's a volunteer position. There are some perks to it, like apparel-wise. Okay. Um, and, and meetings wise, we have, you know, nice meals for meetings, but you get a golf um, shirt. Congratulations. But, (laughs) but I mean, to most people, let's be honest, this is not your full-time job. This is something that you're trying to shove on your plate on top of enjoying the game on the field. Yeah. This is me just trying to give back and try to create a, a better environment for, for umpires within baseball Manitoba and try to see umpires succeed, have a little bit of a hand in pushing those guys in the right way to succeed. So. Now, talking about success, what are some of the things that you and your umpire committee are doing to help umpires achieve the desired success? A couple of years ago, when we had the Whiskey Jacks, we brought a young kid. I call him a kid because he's like, you know, 12 years younger than I am. But uh, Riley Nordman came out to uh, the Whiskey Jacks with us, and we worked with them all. I worked with them all year um, back here in the MJBL. And he went to the Bantam or the 15U Nationals that year and he ended up getting the gold medal plate giving him the knowledge the way he could accept it and use it to the fullness of his potential is the was the biggest thing for it um he's also a hockey referee and so i know i could kind of push him a little harder and he he accepts it and he reacts to it a lot better see him succeed that way and then you know this year he was going to travel this year we traveled to abbotsford for a super clinic with a with baseball BC, their umpire association with uh, Trip Gibson and I want to butcher his name, but Mike Muchalensky or mm-hmm. Muchalensky or Muchalensky, I don't know. Molchinsky. Molchinsky. Yeah. Whatever. I know. Umpire <laughs> fanboy. Umpire but, fanboy. Okay. But yeah, um, so 
that like that was kind of his reward for doing so well last year and you know he did like seven clinics last year all by himself and those are the kind of things where you know he's starting to give back and he's starting to see where it could take him which is just really nice to see that and then also two years two years before that we had another guy at the manitoba from manitoba at the bantam level also have the gold medal plate so manitoba's back-to-back gold medal plates at the 15u nationals which is rocking pretty, the 15 you pretty impressive it's pretty impressive so i don't I like to say credit for these guys but these guys put in the hard work and they, they listen that's the key thing so okay let's talk about it my position has typically been let's not focus on sunday championship day and the assignments to really define the whole tournament but let's be honest there are some pride both individual and from a provincial standpoint when some of these umpires go to championships and they get rewarded with some of these high prestige games it shows what's going on in the various programs, the grassroots development, what's going on in all the pro- all the provinces. So to have two umpires go back-to-back shows that there's some grassroots work that's actually going on in Manitoba, and it speaks to the future of potential umpires in Manitoba and various provinces at that. I think the, the biggest thing that I take away from the Sunday assignments, um, especially for the guys who get the good assignments that have worked hard all year, is when they come back, they're so happy and they're so proud. Oh, no um, that's the biggest thing. Like I personally, personally, I've never done a gold medal game like on the bases or on the plate. Okay. And but like my crewmates have done that, and I'm just so happy to see those guys because that's what they want to do. Like I'm just all about pushing my guys forward and forward and forward. So let's be honest, though, we all want to be on that game, but there's only what four spots, and there could be 15 umpires at a championship. It's about picking your other family members up, your umpires up, and celebrating it because we know at the end we can't have two gold medal plate guys, or if we do, that's because one of them got hurt. So let's not wish that, right? Exactly. But I've been on championships where my partner's been the gold medal plate guy, and it's just like, it was a lot of fun working with you this weekend. It, yeah, like, no, for sure. Don't be disappointed. Now, who are some of the people that you work with in Manitoba to see your program succeed? So we have a, I believe it's a six-person committee, um, Baseball Manitoba, uh, on the umpire committee at least. Uh, we have Ron, Ron Chuchuk. He's, you know, one of the, you know, the great brains that we have here in Manitoba. Um, he's been one of the three so wise men. You got to have a guy that, you got to have a guy that's that knowledgeable. So um, well, he wears a Dave size Ford. eight hat, so his head holds a lot, I think. A lot of knowledge. Yeah. <laughs> it's because he doesn't have any hair. Yeah. I have, I've been um, saying a thing lately. Every time I forget something, I lose a piece of hair. So I'm thinning out up there. So imagine how much Ron has already forgot over the years. Exactly. Uh, we also have Dave Ford. Uh, he He's our clinic coordinator. Ron's part of our operations guy. Mm-hmm. Pete Perot, our grassroots guy. He's very good with the young umpires. Yes. He gets them engaged really well. High energy. Um, guy by name is Marcus Gertzen doing our mentorship. He's just coming into the four program. He was supposed to travel this year and he's done a, a lot of good stuff in his area. So he's our mentorship guy. Ferlin Ashton from Brandon. He's another level four guy who's been around yes. for many moons. And Daryl Beckett, our communications guy. Implanted Ontario guy. I like to call him T-Rex because of his he calls them proportionate <laughs> arms, but everybody else knows they're just really short arms. Um, so impossible to do a push up. Yeah, he's really good with uh, he's really good with the 
the technology stuff so that everybody needs one of those guys right phil oh yeah we all need one of those guys <laughs> no, i'm not gonna brag we all need a guy that can make a powerpoint Okay, moving on from that, let's talk about some of your national championship experience. Now, you said you haven't done a gold medal game. Let's not talk about that stuff. But how many national championships have you been to? I think I've been to six. Is that right? Uh, I don't <laughs> I, know. I had to, I had, I had to write it down. Like, I know I you're not good at, at math. I'm trying to English. count and like, I'm trying to count and be like, okay, six. Yeah, it's six. So I've been to pretty much every level other than the PB level oh. uh, or the 13U level. First one was 2012 in Vaughan, Ontario. It was the Bantam. I walked into uh, walked into the meeting. I looked at our first at our book, and I go, "Huh, Ashton Lisky, CC." I go, "How do you guys know I like to drink Canadian Club?" <laughs> <laughs> Realize, oh, it's crew chief. I'm like, oh, okay, cool. My first national, I'm a crew chief. Yeah. What do I have to do? <laughs> I uh, got up into the room and. With my roommate, who also was a crew chief, uh, Brandon Strachey, who's the <laughs> umpire supervisor in Alberta. Have you ever been a crew chief? He's like, nope. Have you? No, it's my first national. Oh, we're screwed. <laughs> 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 so we, we got through it pretty good. Um, I was paired up with uh, Mario Limpress from Quebec and Joel Goom from Ontario, oh, yeah. who was at the Canada Cup this year. Yep. Uh, those are my crewmates, and they both made the gold medal game. So when I say I like to push people forward, just proof that I had two guys on my crew make the gold medal game. I, I was on the bronze that year, um, and I had the semifinal between Ontario and Quebec, which was a tremendous game. So I was all happy with that. Is your back still sore from carrying them all weekend or what? Um, I, have, I have a lot of back issues uh, <laughs> from my six nationals, that's for sure. Uh, <laughs> Um, but in all, in all joking aside, it was, it was a great time. Um, supervisor was Rob companion. Um, uh, he was the lead guy, great guy, Ontario, um, yep. Ontario guy, Lisa Turbot was there. Yep. Um, she was helping out, um, Sebastian Gagnon was there and I believe the other one was, uh, I think it was Keith McConkey. Oh, wow. That is so quite we, the supervisor. We had a really good crew. So. And that was like my first national. I didn't know. I didn't know what to expect, and we had a blast. The off day was great. We went to an Argos, an Argos game at Skydome or Rogers Center, whatever you want to call it now. Yeah, uh, it was Argos and Edmonton, the Eskimos, and Ricky Ray's first game against his old team, and it was just so much fun. Those are the stories that I like. like oh, for I sure. love the off days. The off days are great. Then my next national in 2013 was. Trois Rivières, or Three Rivers, yeah. as us English people like to call it. That was uh, 18U. I was uh, on a crew with, oh man, I'm gonna, I'm, I can't remember the one guy, but my crew chief was Chad Wagner, um, <laughs> fellow Saskatchewanite. Yes. And I think it was, I think it was Jean O'Day, yeah, the French, the French guy on our crew, which is great in Trois Rivières because not many people speak English out that way. Right. Um, and even if you try to speak French, it's just, you just get shunned upon. So, um, <laughs> that, that was a rough tournament for myself personally. Uh, we had some, uh, some learning moments and I got better because of it. I know I did, uh, supervisors were Chris Wilhelm and Steve Buteg, Peter Skripka and JF Arsenault. Um, so Another once again, group. some really yeah. good supervisors <laughs> yeah. and, 2014, I got emergency subbed into the Canada Cup in Whoa. Saskatoon. That was a lot of fun. That was a fun drive with uh, Uncle Ron. 
Uncle Rod. And uh, and Tony Siemens from uh, from Rose Snort, Manitoba. <laughs> it was a fun drive from Yorkton, I tell you what. Um, if Coming you guys ever take 16. a road trip with Uncle Ron, you realize you have to stop at every gas station along the highway. <laughs> and uh, Coming up past the pierogi curtain there uh, west of Yorkton. Exactly. So yeah, no, that was that was a great tournament. That's uh, that's where I got introduced to McDad Jaffer uh, from Ontario. He was my crew chief, and I think I gave him a heart attack the first time he was on the plate because I casually get ready for games. Like that's how I get ready. It was like ten minutes before we were walking, and there I'm still sitting in my golf shorts and golf shirt and <laughs> sandals, and I'm just chilling. He like he's almost fully done. Like he's just putting on his jersey. He's ready to go. He's jacked up. He goes, Ashton, we're on. We're walking in ten. You go, Mick Dad. That means I have seven minutes here to relax. <laughs> he literally said, "What are you doing to me?" <laughs> I was like, "Keeping you loose, brother. Keeping you loose." Yeah. So ever since then, we uh, we have a running joke between me and him, and. Uh, yeah, that was a great tournament. Also, umpired a, a semifinal game there with uh, Todd Dorsey and Brandon Strzok. He was there also. We were we called ourselves Team West on that game, and it was between BC and Saskatchewan, actually. And BC turned a triple play in the bottom of the fifth or bottom of the sixth inning to get out of a bases-loaded jam. Like if the ball gets through, it's a tie game, and we're probably still playing. But... <laughs> It was just one of those things where the guy just everything fell perfectly for him, and it was great. And then I looked at Str- I looked at Brandon, and in between innings, I go, "Did you call him out on the catch, or did we miss that one?" <laughs> He's like, "I didn't call him out. Did you call him out? No, I didn't call him out." So it's really only a double play then. <laughs> That's uh, that was Saskatoon. That was a lot of fun. Supervisor Trevor Grieve and Ron Shuchuk and Dale Hackett. Oh yeah, some great some yeah. great guys. Dale's a great guy. Yeah. 2015, I took the year off, spent some time with the uh, the girlfriend, and did a family trip out to Salmon Arm for a family reunion for her. So, oh, nice. took took that summer off, and then 2016, I went to Regina, the city the that city. rhymes with fun. Yeah, I went to Regina for the 21 U's. Went with another fellow Manitoba umpire, Clint Cantello. That that was where. I really understood supervisors and I really understood the whole uh, recommendation process the best. And we use it this year a lot at our, um, at our Canada cup in Regina. We use my experience there. And the reason why I got what I got on my um, supervisory, uh, my recommendation on the final day, I I had a pretty solid tournament. It wasn't a great tournament, but I had a really solid tournament where you know, if it was at a bantam level, probably would have gotten, you know, bumped up to the the 18U level. Steve put it best. Uh, Steve Butang was one of my supervisors. He put it best. He goes, we could give you your senior, but when you go to your senior, where do you think you're going to fit against guys like uh, Ron Chuchuk and Brian Hodson and Rocky Nickel and the Trevor Drury's and the Chris Wilhelms and the Trevor Greaves? Where do you think you're going to fit? I go, well, probably probably 12. That's why we. That's why we're keeping you at your junior, right? And it made sense. It totally made sense. So I kept my junior that year, and I was, I was happy with it. I had a good tournament. I felt, and I had fun, and it's what it's all about. You know, the the free the the free rain day 
was to drive back to Manitoba, which is, you know, more fun than actually spending the time in Regina. Oh. But, uh... <laughs> Play ball! Sorry, 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 Regina fans. Go Bombers. Um, you're out! <laughs> Since you're talking recommendations, I know a lot of people, they go and they get their recommendation, they expect, okay, next year it's the next jump bump, next year it's the next bump, next year it's the next bump, and it's just a ladder prog- progress. And not to talk about Ron Chuchuk the whole time or his episode, but he says that senior championship is a ball game all in itself. And you, you kind of put it best. Where are you going to fit in with some of the higher caliber established guys? Do you want to go to a championship and be last and maybe leave with no confidence? Or do you want to go to a championship where you're the most appropriate age group or level for you so that you can get better or be the best there and show yourself so that when you go to that next championship, you're in that right spot. Because I think too often we see that even with players, they bump up and then they're, do you want to be a third liner and never play? Or do you want to be playing every day and getting more experience and getting stronger? And even going back to your first provincial championship where you're going to the 15U and realizing, uh uh-oh, maybe this isn't for me. It's all about putting the right person at the right place. Working in the, I'm, I'm going to be quick here, but working in the national program, I think is an honor in itself. And then it's just about, product placement and putting the right person at the right place. I, t- I totally agree with you on that, Phil. This year at, at the senior, I, or last year at the senior, I went in Miramichi. It really made me open my eyes where I probably was in the right group of guys. Because it's funny, when you start your national journey, yeah. you kind of get slotted into a group. A generation. Into a, yep. Yeah, in, into a generation. Perfect perfect word for that. Into a generation of umpires. Like me and Brandon Strzok, we've been pretty much at almost every other tournament. Scott Mills is another guy who's, we've been at a lot of tournaments together, um, umpiring and now supervisory. Those are the guys that you try to keep comparing yourself to. Um, So after Regina was the summer games here in Winnipeg, hometown guy, Winnipeg. um, It's the one, it's the tournament I wanted to go to when I found out that Winnipeg was hosting the summer games. Like I want to be the local guy here. I want to be the guy hosting. I want to be the guy showing guys around, having a good time. Um, I want to be there. Right. So that was my goal when I started in the national program way back in 2012, um, was to be in Winnipeg for the summer games. And so I was like, okay, cool. And then I achieve it. Right. Me and Pete Perot were the Manitoba guys. Loved it. I was on a crew with, uh, Mick Dad and Luke Obey from New Brunswick. Yep. And I was the crew chief this time. So Mick Dad was, he's, he, Mick Dad's still pretty particular with certain things. I, I, I kept fooling around with him a little bit. But this time I'd fool around with him when I was on the plate. When I was getting you know ready, I'd, I'd blast the country music. And he's like, what's this garbage? And I was like, <laughs> Mick Dad, this is great. And then, you know, get some boot scooting boogie going on and, I'll just have a good time and then we're changing and he's like dude we gotta walk in three minutes you don't even have your shin guards on yet like make dad i've got this i told you i got this <laughs> so he finally just realized he's gonna be ready i know he's gonna be ready and that's gonna be the greatest thing about it so yeah that was great i did saskatchewan's games i think i did every one of their games pretty much um they ended up winning it so you would have had some good games to umpire yeah me and uh Greg Bronze and I, the Saskatchewan coach, we uh, saw each other a lot that, that week. Um, super nice guy. Probably not socially distanced, though, I bet you. No. <laughs> so that was great. Um, I got the semifinal game between Saskatchewan and I don't know who they played. 
want to say Ontario, they played Ontario. I think it was Ontario. They played one of the two big powerhouses, if that yeah. makes sense. I think, I think it might have been, well, it might have been Quebec then. I don't know. Either way, they played. The, I, I did the plate in that game, had a great game, had a lot of fun. And then I got to watch the gold medal game from a sold out Shaw Park or Can West Global Park or whatever it's called, the Gold Eyes Home Stadium here. Yep. Um, it was 7,500 fans. Um, it was loud. It was, it was great atmosphere. Um, uh, we were, we got, I got the guys, a, a private box up a, a suite up top and, um, the gold eyes donated it. So it was great. It was perfect. So it was a great end to it. Um, out of that, I got my T12 rec and then in 2017, I went to, uh, or 2018, I went to T12. Um, that's, a, that's, that's the creme de la creme by far. It's, it's what every umpire should be striving for. Um, because it's the main it's the main pathway to get to an international assignment. It's right. just a whole different level. It's it's run so well by the Blue Jays. Um, it's run well by Baseball Canada by the umpire supervisors that were out there. Uh, I had so it's John Oko, Rob Allen, Stefan Dupont, and Ron Shuchuk. They were their supervisors, and they were worked with us, and they came on the field with us. I had I had did some four umpire system before, but. From what they want and what I did, totally different. <laughs> yeah. So it makes no sense. Like I watch it on, I'll watch it on, on TV and like, no, it doesn't make any sense. So why is he doing this? Why is he doing that? And, uh, but once you're doing it, you understand it. And now I bring, I brought that information back to Manitoba. And as many times as we try to do four umpire back here, in Manitoba, I'm usually at second base, pushing guys around and getting where to go. And then, we'll flip an inning and then I'll go first base or third base and we'll let the guy try second base. Um, so that's, you know, that's what it's all about. Bring that information back from your experience to relate to the other umpires so they could get further up ahead in their journey. So I think that's important too, because I think a lot of the provinces are really banking on that. We're going to these events so that we're bringing knowledge back. It's all about knowledge transfer and passing it down and building our grassroots programs because the people that go, they, they, they have a responsibility to bring that knowledge back and to make the baseball better at their local level. There's people that are investing time, effort, and money in them. So it's only appropriate that they come back and invest their time at the minimum in the next person. Exactly. Don't be afraid. Why keep all the information to yourself? Because you're not helping anybody else. And you're not going to get you know? better either. If you share that information, then that next umpire is going to push you to get better the next night. Exactly, because now they know that you 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 did something wrong because you just told them to do it the right way, and now you did it the wrong way. They'll call you out on it, and that's what it has to be. You have to keep each other accountable. Oh, no so. question. And we, we see this sometimes that umpires get plateaued with the partners they're working with. So as the partner gets better, partner A gets better, partner B needs to step it up and not get so lazy. Yeah, no, that's, that's very true. Um there's a couple guys that I don't want to. I don't yeah. want to call them. We don't want to call. They we don't want to call people though. But it's just the philosophy in, real, yeah. in general. Yeah, and you know we have moments throughout the season where everybody gets complacent. Oh sure. And everybody gets lazy, and we need those guys to bring them up and say, "Hey, you know this is the best game that's going on right now. You got to umpire your best as much as you can, as often as you can, opposed to I'm just coming out here to because I'm body and I'm gonna fill a hole. Right. You know, and that's what we don't need. Jersey filler. We don't need those. Yeah. Exactly. Now you talk T12 and you mentioned that you've been to a senior championship. So you haven't really covered that. Share with us where your senior championship was when you finally got so, there. So 
my senior championship when I finally got there <laughs> uh, was in Miramichi, New Brunswick, or Chatham, or Chatham Head, or God's Country. I don't know, you guys, you you have so many names for that little area that I'm I'm not even sure what it's called anymore. Well, technically, the call, city's called, called Miramichi. <laughs> yeah, technically, the city's called Miramichi. It was a community. Yeah. It was four communities that came together in '96. Long story short, the team is called the Chatham Ironmen that hosts it, and they play games in Chatham Head. It's all local stuff, but. You, you got a good memory on you. Bad in English, bad in math, but you got a good memory. Yeah, a little bit, a little bit. So um, a selective memory, that's good. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, I, uh, I'll tell you the, my journey there. I uh, flew from Winnipeg to Toronto, pretty customary, easy flight. Get to Toronto, meet up with my travel buddy now from Saskatchewan, some little five-foot-five guy, Scott Mills. <laughs> So we're waiting together to get on our plane to go to Miramichi or to Moncton. Moncton. We're flying into Moncton. Yes. And I'm not a great flyer. Like my first flight ever was in 2012 when I went to Vaughn. Uh, my first flight ever. I, I wore the sticker and everything. Um, <laughs> a flatlander. <laughs> yeah. So we get on this plane. It's got propellers on the side. I'm like, oh, this is great cool like oh there's no wi-fi there's there's no uh there's no in-flight entertainment i was like oh this is good there's no WestJet connect i'm like oh this is like this what i'm gonna do for two hours now 220 actually (laughs) 223 if you want the proper yeah we'll we'll round down on yyz to yqm it's 223 on WestJet, and they run their little dash 400s (laughs) so we uh we take off and Lo and behold, Mr. Mills is standing beside me. We're like, we're buddies. We are travel buddies. So I'm at the window seat. And I don't look out the window, especially when we're taking off, because that just does not do well for me. So we get up, and then we start, like, circling around Toronto. I go, what's going on? And then the pilot comes on the on the radio or on the PA system and goes, yeah, we're going to have to go land back in Toronto. we got a crack in our windshield. <laughs> and I go, what the front door is going on here? <laughs> Old bird strike. Yeah. So, so we land safely, and like there's all this like um, emergency stuff all around. Like there's fire trucks around, and like I was like, oh my god, what's going on? Is this for us? Like what's going on? So we land, we stop, we taxi back to the terminal. what should we call it there? The gate the terminal. Yep. The gate. <laughs> I I guess I said it like I had my earplugs in. I guess I said it pretty loud. I go, I hope the bird effing dies. <laughs> <laughs> and everybody in the plane starts laughing. <laughs> I was like, oh, I thought I was like, keep that in my head kind of thing. <laughs> so everybody in the plane hears this. And so we get off the plane and then eventually they bring another plane. So it's about an hour and a half wait. Well, I use this hour and a half to download some content to watch and to watch on my iPad because the free Wi Fi. And I was like, all right, so I'll just download off my Netflix and I got something to watch kind of thing. Debbie like, sweet. Dallas. So it, it actually worked out well. Other than the fact that we got into Moncton at like seven o'clock or seven thirty, and I was like, "All right, this is a little late." <laughs> then the guys have been waiting there for us for like four hours now, right. and I was like, "Oh God, our, our taxi service is waiting there for us." And we got like an hour and ten minute drive to Miramichi, mm-hmm. and then I was like, "Oh crank. And then all I see is like all these like French signs, like Bactouche, and you know. All those kind of things. And I'm like trying to say them. And the guys that are driving like, well, oh, you're pretty good at saying this stuff. And I was like, yeah, well, you know, 
every blind squirrel finds a nut once in a while. <laughs> <laughs> so we get to we get to our media at ten o'clock, and then I'm like starving. It was like about nine forty five. We actually got there. I run to the the restaurant to order something because it closes at ten. So I order like my like chicken wrap, and then we're having our meeting, and then they bring in the food, and it's like, oh, it's perfect. And the guy's like, you didn't order enough for all of us. Our lead supervisor was uh, Andrew Downs. I was like, guys, oh. you don't want to see me hungry, put it this way. <laughs> and so we had a good little laugh about that. And then I found out that my crew was uh, Brian Bull Cummings, who's a deputy chief of the police force in Miramichi, and Blaine Gallant, who's another provincial supervisor from Nova Scotia. I was like, oh, that's a pretty solid crew, I think. Like, we're good here. My roommate's Brian. He's like, yeah, I'm going to stay here. I don't want to go home. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> yeah. oh, man. Across, across the means, bridge. Man, yeah. Stay the night. Like, <laughs> it's your bed, you know, my bed. We're good. Good. We're good. And so then I find out that Brian doesn't drink anymore. And I was like, oh, this is, this is actually a good thing for me, I think. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so we're like, all right. So we start talking. Next thing you know, it's two in the morning i'm like i think we should probably go to bed here bull <laughs> he's like yeah i'm exhausted it's like what time's our game tomorrow i think we had the first game that on the thursday it was like 10 a.m game i was like oh it's 10 a.m we can get up at like he goes we could get up at like 8 45 and we'll be out of here by nine and we'll be there by you know 9 15 we should be good and then blaine comes storming into our hotel room at nine o'clock guys let's go and i was like Brian's in the shower. <laughs> I was like, no, we ain't going anywhere, Blake. <laughs> Our ride ain't leaving. <laughs> yeah. So we all made it perfectly fine. It was Bull's plate, so he had a good plate, and Blaine was at first base, and I was chilling at third base. So Yeah, it was a misty um, morning. No, go ahead. I said it was a misty morning. It, you... it was. It was a, a, we call that dew here. I don't yeah, know. that's dew. <laughs> it, it was dewy. That's exactly what it was. <laughs> um, it was a great feel. It was uh, it was a lot of fun. Friday was the fun day in Miramichi. Friday was the fun day, to say the least. We had the noon game between the host team, the Chatham Mir- the Chatham Ironman of Miramichi Honda Ford team, or whatever they're called. <laughs> they had like eight names, and I was like, all right, guys, cool. When everybody and, wants uh, to jump on as a sponsor, do you really say no? Exactly. And they were playing against Alberta, uh, the Sherwood Park team. I was at first base. Blaine was on the plate, and Bull was at third base. Blaine was like the second inning. It was early in the game anyways. We had a first to third rotation. I rotated home. I got home. The ball beat the guy home, beat the runner from first to home. Catcher caught the ball, laid the tag on the guy, and the guy just barreled through him. Classic. There I am. I punch him out. There's still pictures floating around on Facebook of me punching him out and the collision. And then all of a sudden, the mirror machine bench empties. And then the catcher gets into the guy's face. And then my referee for my hockey referee stuff comes in mind. So I just get in between them. And I was like, guys, guys. I'm like, I can't remember the catcher's name. I just kept them, catch, catch. I got him. He's gone. He's gone. He's gone, catch. That's good. We're good. We're good. So he kind of breaks up. And I was like, all right, good. And then I look at like look over the corner of my head or corner of my shoulder. And I go, guys, you can't come out here. And they're all just running out. And I was like, no, this is, this is how I'm going to die. Like it's like a stampede right now. <laughs> yeah. So I, I managed to keep the mirror machine bench on their side. And I look over to the other side and bull has got the Alberta bench and he's got the third base coach and the pitcher 
just jawing at each other, like halfway down the line from third base to home, just jawing at each other. He's getting between there. He's the police officer. He's holding those guys back. And I'm like, all right, all right, cool, cool. And then like, I'm looking around where my plate umpire is because I don't know where he is because he rotated up to third and Bull came down from like P3 and we're all good here. And then I'm still looking for my plate umpire and like, Blaine, where are you? It's like, I even looked down to try to find him. Couldn't <laughs> find him. And then I, I saw him talking to the uh, Alberta coach. He goes, he has to eject him because there's no contact plays in baseball in baseball Canada. I go, Blaine, I got this. <laughs> so then we get together and I tell Blaine, Kate, we're ejecting. It was the first baseman from Alberta. Um, I think his, his thing is number is 12. I go, okay, rejecting 12, contact play. Self-explanatory. And it wasn't malicious, but it was intentional. So he's he's gone for the game. So he le- he left pretty he left quietly, and then so Blaine, you know, then explained it to the coach again. And the coach is like, "You mean you can't do that?" And Blaine's like, "No, you can't do that." So that's when that play happened. I was like, "This is what senior baseball at the national level is all about. It's all about managing egos, managing tempers, and managing the situation." It's not really about balls and strikes. It's about managing the game. And you're leaving out a key part to that. This is the hometown team, and there's probably, what, 2,800 people in the stands? 3,000 yeah. people? It's not It's not a game in Winnipeg on a Tuesday night. Like, no. There it, is intensity. It's, uh, it's, it's 2,500 fans closely around everybody, around the whole field, and they are on top of you. Like, yeah. they are on top of you from the pitch from the first pitch to the first call to the the first out to the first safe to the first call that goes against them. They are on you nonstop. You know, and that just adds in this situation specifically to the level of intensity. It just adds another dynamic that you might not get at a 15 U. Oh no, for sure. Like it's, it's grown men and they're all like out there, they're jocking around and they're, you know, beating their chests and they're like, let's go, let's go. And I was like, okay, here we go. So that game ends up going 13 innings. Fantastic. Make yeah, it up for that one hour and 20 minute game that you did there. Four hours and 15 minutes. Thanks, Blaine. And yeah, and it was in the 12th inning, no, the 11th inning, I think it was, Alberta scored two and then Chatham comes back and scores two. And like, oh man, really? And then in the 13th inning, Alberta gets a two-run lead and then Chatham comes back and scores three to win the game on a walk-off. And you're like, oh my God. Yeah. And then the supervisor sent down extra umpires to walk us off the field just in case Chatham lost because they're like, something might happen. Like, right. it's like I don't know, like Bull's here. Bull's got this. He's a police officer, right? Like, yeah. <laughs> that's what I'm thinking. Like, He's a local guys, legend for sure. Guys, we're safe. I'm like, I'm 270 on a light day and we got Bull. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like we should just be worried about Blaine right now. Yeah. <laughs> we might lose him down there. It was, uh, it was great to turn it, turn it all around. I've got a plate game in an hour. Oh, fantastic. At, at, at the second field. And I'm like, oh, this is great. So we quickly jump to, we quickly go to uh, Subway. We ended up showing up to the game with like 20 minutes left until game time. And like, Understand. I, I'm like, I'm like, this is, this is normal for me. Like guys, like, come on. Like I usually don't get ready until like seven minutes before the game anyway. So I'm good on this. I had, uh, I think it was Fredericton in Ontario for my first national, senior national plate game. And, I'm not going to say I was super sharp, but I'm not going to say I was super dull, but it was a good game. It was, it was fun. Let's be honest here. You just, 
come down off a high intensity game and have to switch it all around and get ready to go out and and I promise you at a championship in Miramichi with Fredericton playing, there is going to be high intensity all over again, but you have to reset. It's hard to reset those batteries that quick. Yeah. Well, for sure. Like I had a good game. Like it wasn't my best game. You know, it's not what I, my perfect ideal world was, but you know, I got through it. Nobody got hurt. Nobody got killed. <laughs> I didn't get killed. So we were good. Right. Right. Like, right. Every umpire um, I've had on here has always said they struggle with the low outside corner. So don't feel bad. <laughs> I, I, I struggle with all the corners. Um, <laughs> <laughs> kind of, my plate's a little round. Yeah, pretty much if a catcher catches it, it's a strike in Manitoba, right? So <laughs> I was actually honored to do the plate again. I got the privilege to do the plate the next day at noon also. This was the last round robin game for Chatham team. They had their their Ironman pitcher, rubber arm guy throwing his last national. They were playing Newfoundland, and he was one out away from a no-hitter at the national level, which... Would have been my first no-hitter at the national level. That would have been really cool. Unfortunately, it didn't happen, but it did end in a mercy, and it did end in five innings. So okay, fair enough. We, we, we got back on track a little bit. <laughs> Putting in your dues. Now, we typically don't talk about Sunday assignments, but come Sunday morning, where are you working? Sunday morning, I was doing the uh, semifinal game between BC and Chatham. I was at second base. I was with uh, Hugues Lafreniere from Quebec. He was our plate. And I was also with uh, Brian Cummings, and I cannot remember the other guy I was with. Our, th- our fourth. Uh, like it was said. nutsy. It was Norton. Oh, Chris Norton. Chris Norton. So we get to the plate, and the Chatham coach comes in, BC coach comes in, and I calmly go, Coach. He goes, yeah? He goes, does anybody go to church here? Without missing a beat, he goes, this is church. Oh. <laughs> I was like, well played, sir. Well played. <laughs> A classic Mark Noel comment from Mayor Machine. I go, Coach, I'll set you up for that one again if you want. <laughs> <laughs> yes. That is a classic comment. Yeah. Definitely, we've talked about it. I'm not going to hammer it anymore, but Mayor Machine, 100% baseball town. Yeah. Okay, moving on, Ashton. We're going to move into a fun part of the show. We like to call this 10 questions, okay? If I like your answer, if I disagree with it, you ready to go? Has anybody gone 0 for 10 yet? We were close here, I think, a couple weeks ago, but I, I, I think I agree with every once in a while. I, it's more of a <laughs> it's more of a participation ribbon if I agree on the last question, okay? All right, let's have some fun. Okay, let's have some fun here. You know, baseball, you go to the canteen, there's always lots of condiments around. What is one condiment that you could not live without? Mustard. Yeah, that's a good one. You can make it spicy, you can make it sweet, you can make it tart. Yeah, it works for everything. Yeah. Love the Dijon and love the honey mustard. So, like you said, spicy and sweet. The other right answer would have been mayo. Can't go without mayo. No, 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 no. Where's my buzz? Where's my hawk on that one? (laughs) What brand or type of chest protector do you wear? I wear a Wilson Wilson vest. I think it's the original one. Provides the most protection. It's stood the test of time. Everyone's trying to go low profile. I like the big shoulders. It fits well in my play coat. Yeah. You got a play coat, do you? I sure do. Oh, snazzy. Those are those are reserved for only the utmost classiest umpires, in my opinion. I'll wear my play coat and they, everybody thinks I'm Joe West. <laughs> <laughs> okay. What type of movie or genre of movie do you prefer? I'm a comedy guy. I'm going to get it to you. I was thinking that maybe you were like a rom-com kind of guy. You know? uh, that's that, that's why well, I kind of wanted to say rom-com, but 
definitely well you know i guess both that's 1a 1b it all all depends on the mood and what kind of chips i got for that movie (laughs) (laughs) that's fair working for canada post i assume your favorite movie is you got mail with tom hanks and meg ryan right I've seen that movie three times since the pandemic started. <laughs> that has been on the women's network, so. <laughs> Fox, F-O-X. <laughs> Let's talk movies and you like comedy. What's your favorite Adam Sandler movie? Oh, man. I love Mr. Deeds. That's a classic Mr. one. Mr. Deeds with the butler is the best part. Oh, yeah. Just about and a man crazy that eyes. And... Oh, yeah. Chubbs. I mean, he's Chubbs. Isn't that Chubbs from Happy Gilmore too? Yeah. Uh, I love that. No, no, the butler's the, the French guy, the the Costa Rican guy. Oh, yes. Okay, yeah. I love Happy Madison Productions. They made some good stuff yeah. there in the 90s. Well, we're going to talk about favorite things, but let's talk about your least favorite Major League Baseball player. Can I say anybody on the Yankees? I was going to say I was looking for Brett Gardner, but anybody on yeah. the Yankees will, will work. Like even Paxton now, he's like, uh, big maple. He, he might get a pass just because he's Canadian, but. I think he's one of the best Canadians, though. I'm, yeah, I'm, I like I like, I like James. Yeah, I mean, there's not many Canadians yeah. to choose from, let's be honest, but yeah. he's kind of up there. It's you know too bad about Mike Sorotka. I think he, he'll be, when he comes back, knock on wood, I think he'll be the idol for a lot of Canadians in the future here. Yeah, well, that, that's really hope. good grounded kid. Everybody wants to know boxers or briefs? Boxer briefs, like both, like like the compression underwear, like the Under Armour stuff. Of course, you say that you're wearing boxers. Anybody that wears briefs never admits it. Everywhere that wears boxers, well, we just assume it. And everybody that wears the old banana hammock, well, they're bragging all about it. So we can see you saying boxers for sure. Winter's coming. What do you do in your evenings? Uh, ref hockey, coach hockey, play hockey, 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 hockey. Uh, <laughs> so stereotypical. Yeah, well, you know. I guess when you're on the flatland out there in Manitoba. You know, no, as a goalie, the, the net's four by six, and you know my coach used to tell me, you don't even have to move. You're five by six. And I was like, very, very wise, coach. <laughs> Thanks, 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 JT. <laughs> yeah. My nickname in high school was Plywood. Because <laughs> uh, you're holy, you're right. <laughs> What's your favorite sports book? Favorite sport, like like something to read? Yeah. <laughs> Should I say like the uh, Sports Illustrated Swimsuit Edition? Is that is that okay? <laughs> Safe to say you haven't read a book. I, I don't read much. Actually, I I really like the. Um, Playing with fire, the Theo Fleury story. Okay, and also Jordan Tutu came out with one. Yes, it was really good too. So I kind of, I kind of gravitate to those little off the wall guys. Perfect, I'm not by David Wells, and My Life in and Out of the Rough by John Daly. That's my recommendation. Okay, the Steve Probert one was also pretty good. Once again, I'm back on the hockey thing here. Yeah. So yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, Ashton, I recommend you go down to your local library and rent a baseball book. But let's get away from hockey because we all want to know. We've all been waiting. What's your favorite Garth Brooks song? That summer. Love that. That's a good one. I got to give you a few of them. It could go on all night, but come on, a young yeah. man with an older lady. Yeah. I don't really want to go Baton too Rouge. far. Love calling Baton Rouge, too. Yeah. Like it's, <laughs> I, I pretty much say anything, Garth Brooks. Yeah. I'm telling you right now. but <laughs> I think I'll put it out there. One of the first times I met Ashton was last year at the Baseball Canada Cup, and we sit down at the pre-tournament dinner, and he's a supervisor, so you know what's like, as an umpire, you're going to, oh, you're sitting beside the supervisors. And Garth Brooks is in town. Listen to Sean Weatherhills and Brad Johnson's episode, and they'll tell you all about it. But here, 
Ashton sits down and he mentions Garth Brooks and I talk for about 10 minutes with only Garth Brooks references and lyrics. We went on for a while though. We just kept feeding each other. It was great. It was a lot of fun. You know, those icebreakers, it's always best to sit down and figure out the other person through a good Garth Brooks song. Very true. Okay, question 10. Have you ever been interviewed on television about your umpiring career? <laughs> I've personally never been interviewed uh, on television or even on the radio really for uh, about umpiring. Uh, about myself. Although Rob Allen and I played a little prank on one of the Saskatchewan local umpires at the Canada Cup this past or last season, I guess. Keep calling like this past year, but back in 2019 at the Canada Cup, we were up in the booth at the, that's the Optimus Field, right, Phil? In Regina, yeah. It was Optimus and Curry Fields, the two they used. Yeah. So we were up in Optimus, at the Optimus press box there and we're supervising the game and Rob and I are out just watching and Bob Saunder, the local guy, was on the field with uh, his crew. and For the record, the rest of the crew was Mike Richards from Prince Edward Island, Joel Goom from Ontario. This uh, lady from CTV Regina, I assume, uh, she comes up into the uh, into the booth. And first of all, I kind of like put my foot in my mouth a little bit purposely. Um, how I, you know, break the ice with the with the ladies. I go, so... You're with, uh, you're with Global? <laughs> Meanwhile, like you could see the CTV sticker on her side there. I was like, she's like, nope. <laughs> I was like, oh, oh, geez, who are you guys with then? She's like, oh, CTV or CTV Regina. I was like, oh, oh hi. I, was like, I had no clue who it was. Like, yeah, yeah. And I was like, okay. So I'm like, she's like, yeah, we're here doing stories on uh, local Saskatchewan ball players and some good stories of both these, you know, the, the baseball players in the tournament. And then she's like, is there any good stories? I'm like, well, you know, Paul Quantrill's son was his youngest was playing uh, for Ontario. And well, he, there's that guy who used to play for the Blue Jays and his kids playing. And, and then I think there was another one, Andrew Jones. He had a son playing for uh, the Quebec team. Um, so we're like, yeah. And she's like, Oh, those guys are major league baseball players. Like, yeah, their dads were kind of thing. And so, all right, cool. And then, and then, so she's like, Oh, any Saskatchewan guys. And I'm like, ah, I don't know what it is. Saskatchewan guys. I don't know. <laughs> and I go, but the guy out there at first base, Bob Saunder, he's a local guy. He's from Regina. We should do a story on him. And she's like, oh, you know, you know, maybe we'll see. Like, I don't know what we got for content. And I was like, you got, like we're really pushing the umpire here. Like, just try it, try it, just give him a shot, kind of thing. And she's like, well, I'll let you guys know. And I was like, okay. So the game ends. Yeah. Rob and I go down to the dressing room, and Bob's with his crew, and they're getting undressed, and they're trying to change their other stuff. I go, Bob, Bob, hold on, you gotta put your stuff back on. You got to go out there. This lady from like CTV, she's out there doing like pieces on like local Saskatchewan baseball players and umpires. And she wants to do a story on you. And he's, he's like, what's going Like, what do you mean? Like, like, do I have to like a dress? I'm like, yeah, you got to get dressed. You can't go out there like that. Like put your uniform on Bob. He's like, I'm like, actually wear your powder, wear your powder. You look good on TV with your powder on. And he's like, Oh, I, I left my powder. I left my powder at the hotel. I was like, Oh, Bob, Bob, I guess you'll have to do, wear your black then. So he's he's getting all frantic. He's like, well, what do I say? I'm like, just tell her about yourself. Like, how you got down and this and that. She'll just feed you questions, Bob. He's like, okay, okay. And then his crew's like, they kind of caught on, on to it right away. And I was like, okay, guys, just relax here. <laughs> and then, so he walks out and like he's walking around from the umpire, the umpire change room. And I go, Rob. I can't let him go through with this. He's going to burn himself, embarrass himself. He's like, what do you mean? He's like, she didn't want that. She didn't want to meet him with him. <laughs> so we call him back and then 
he gave us a, a couple oh you guys you you mother truckers what <laughs> what are you guys doing to me i was all worried and it's like he's like i shouldn't have believed that was true anyways they only want to talk to elmer anyways <laughs> <laughs> So that's my little prank I pulled in my first supervisor skit. <laughs> that's a good one. We've shared some good supervisor pranks here, and they're all in good fun. And Bob's a good guy and took it all in stride. <laughs> yeah. I know he's listening, so he'll enjoy hearing the story from your perspective, that's for sure. Now, moving on from 10 questions, one of the final segments of the show we typically do is local legends. And essentially, you've mentioned a lot of guys that are giving back at the kind of high performance level and that stuff in Manitoba. But is there anybody working at the grassroots level? Yeah, like it's it's so tough because like I could I could go on for days right. with uh guys here in Manitoba that that do such a good job with the community club baseball. Um we have a guy in uh Winnipeg South in the area I live in, uh Kevin Koslick, he's he does does a great job recruiting umpires and there's never a shortage of umpires in his area because he he's one of those umpires who challenges other um, other players to be an umpire and you know and so the numbers in his area are always so high he's done a great job of this for like the past 10 years and he's brought some really good umpires up through that system there's guys out in in another part of our city and in red river uh, tom Mirwalt, same kind of guy just bringing a lot of young new umpires into our program that you know they take things away from us they learn they they like it and they get better and then they, they want to quit baseball because they rather have they rather umpire and have fun and yep. make some money right and we yep. encourage them to play baseball as long as you can umpire is oh, always going to be there right exactly there's um guys out in Pete Perot another great guy grassroots guy out in Russell and the Westman region you could find him on the field doing you know a thousand games a year yeah with his pack of smokes and his bottle of coke like he's out there just non-stop he's helping everybody out there helping every young guy out there you know and we have guys in you know i like to call it the bible belt like morden winkler and altona the mar folks and the kurt pasmandes and the corny the cornelius lowens those guys just do thousands of little games to make sure games get done and that's the key thing for those guys and right. obviously like you said our high performance guys personally without you know ron shuchuk and brian hodson and Derek dubell and larry nichols i wouldn't be where i am today um, right there's even you know some guys that you know pushed me like pierre bedard got me into umpiring he was the guy I, he challenged me to umpire and those guys i'm forever grateful for getting my start and getting my knowledge from for sure it's all about being part of the umpire community and we hit that right off the get-go on this episode so i thank you for bringing that up and thank you for sharing with us some of your local legends because i think it is important that we acknowledge the people that give back to the game of baseball and help us achieve baseball here in canada from an umpiring and officiating perspective well ashton that essentially wraps up this episode of the leading edge I would like to take this opportunity to thank you for coming on and sharing with us some of your fantastic stories from over the years in your umpiring career. Before we go, I always like to turn it over to you and give you the opportunity to lead or share with us, end the episode with some wise words of wisdom. So Ashton, take it away. I'm not sure if this is going to be wise or not, but we'll give it a shot. The biggest thing I like to preach and I like to talk about is don't be complacent in your abilities take every game as a advantage or an opportunity to get better don't just be happy to finish the game 
be happy, you know, when you feel when you feel you've done the best you could do. If there's a play at home plate and you think you were in a bad position, replay that play later on. Maybe I was in a bad position. Where could I have been better? Break your game down personally and you know, rely on your partners that you're out there with too to, you know, help you keep it, you know, be accountable and become the best umpire you can be. So I love the dog yelp at the end. I'm keeping that in. I am gonna keep that in. <laughs> Well, that concludes this episode of The Leading Edge, where we talk with umpires about umpiring and look to cover topics on both sides of the plate. Join us on our next episode, where we bring on an umpire that started umpiring 11U baseball in Nova Scotia, has worked their way up through the Baseball Canada umpire program, and is currently on staff with minor league baseball, Alex Laurie. But before you go, we would like to leave you with this. There's a common baseball rule myth that people believe if the batter does not pull the batter to the strike zone while in the bunting position, it's an automatic strike. My question is, what prevents it from being an automatic ball? Take care, everybody, and stay safe.